Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's going well. I had a great time this week on the campus of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Yes, you were in Kansas City. I was. I was. The home of the best barbecue in America. Going out on that limb, staking my claim, putting my flag in the ground, making that Yeah, call. you said you said that quite a bit, and uh, this makes me feel like I need to go spend some more time in Kansas City. Burnt ends are what manna was, I think. You know, when, when we read about that in the Old Testament, that's what they were talking about, was burnt ends. I actually don't think that's true, but... I, th- I think that's um, what Elijah dined on after the showdown with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. He dined on burnt ends from those bulls that they put on the, the altar. You're just taking this in a direction that I can't go, so... Okay, uh, But it right. sounds like they I may be reading were, into Scripture a little bit, you know. So- it sounds like it's great. The food of angels, Amy. Well, that's that's really interesting. I will have to get myself to Kansas City sometime and see if you're right. I pretty much like all barbecue, and I know that that well, doesn't I, make I sense do too. to a lot of people. But I like Texas barbecue. I like Kansas City barbecue. I like Memphis barbecue. I like Middle Tennessee barbecue. And I I like North Carolina barbecue. I would not put it at my number one, but I do like it and eat it. So Yeah, well, I, again, I, I'll eat it all. I'm fine with all of it. Right, right. You see, smoked meat. Yep, meat. yeah, I'm in. Right, we're good. Yeah, Kansas City. It, it has was, my heart. Was that the only reason that you went? Uh, no. Was for barbecue? Okay. No, no. So where? No, it wasn't. So tell us what else you were there for. <laughs> I was there for the for the church conference. There you and go. We got, a, we got a little recap about that in just a minute, and I uh, had a great okay. time there. Thanks to Charles Smith, Jason Allen, the whole gang, for all their hospitality, and I got to hear. Some of my favorite preachers that I have just personally and got to hang yeah. out with a lot of good friends uh, from around the SBC. And one of the things I love about the For the Church Conference and when I go, and this is the second or third time that I've been, is that it's filled with people who are not at our other conferences a lot of times. I mean, there are some of the same names, some of the same people, but they reach right. a different people. They reach different. I yeah. had dinner the other night and we met a guy from IMB, met another couple guys from Nam people that I don't interact with because they're not at the other events that I'm usually at with with Nam or IMB people. So it, it's pretty nice. It probably brings it just a different demographic, but I also understand that it just reaches that area, and that there are a lot of people in the Midwest who aren't able to go to other conferences, and so they love to go to the For the Church conference exactly because it's it's there for them, and that's mm-hmm. that's really cool. So it's always exciting to be on the campus of one of our Southern Baptist seminaries. I know you get to do that every day, but I don't. So right, including for me, this it's a treat. So it's a treat for yeah. me. So and you guys, yes. you get the uh, is it the Nine Marks conference this weekend? Yes, yes, it is. We're recording this on Thursday night. But and the this Nine is Marks like the eleventh mark, is isn't it? Yes, it, as I understand it, somewhere along the way, two marks were added because of just some reassessing of things that they wanted to, to bring in, new components. But in the process, they combined some other marks so that it would still be nine. So okay. they put so some together. So these are together. apocryphal marks. Well, I, I don't know. So it, so <laughs> I think they redid the book or something, and they added missions we, and prayer, but then they added combined to some other ones. Right. Yeah. So now we're on prayer, and then we're done. We've gone through an entire cycle at Southeastern. 
Now, prayer is uh, John O. preaching at the conference this weekend? Because if memory serves, John O. wrote the Nine Marks book on prayer. That's correct. He he is here as well as Brian Davis, who's up in Philadelphia, Shylin, H.B. Charles, and as always, Mark Dever, Danny Aiken, and and Thabiti Anyabwile. Yeah, of course. So, always. So, all right. Well, that sounds like a fun weekend for you. So, you got to, I got to do a conference earlier in the week. You get the conference at the end of the week. And both of us will be at a conference next week. Yes. Yes, we will. Yeah, it will be at the ERLC National Conference, the Caring Well Conference. We'll talk a little bit more about that later in the yes. show as well. Yep. But that's going to be that's in Dallas. Coming. So if, if you're if you're attending that conference in Dallas, be sure to look for Amy on the main stage and Jonathan in the crowd. Yes. We're, we're where we belong. Let's put it that way. I'm in the well, crowd. I'm not going to say that, but look for us. We'd love to talk to you. Yes, we would. We would. So uh, say, hey, if you see us, we'll be there uh, all three days. Should be a good time in Dallas. Looking forward to that. So, Amy, on to the news. Let's jump into this. We have some great new research from Lifeway about the 2020 election and civility. Yeah, this is very interesting. So uh, this was a new survey came out said that two in three Americans with evangelical beliefs believe being civil in political conversations is productive, with 22% dissenting and 12% not sure, which the 22% just fascinate me that they, you would say, no, I do not think we should be civil in political conversations. That's just incredible. But around 82% say their faith influences how they engage others politically. So there's uh, there are a, a lot of questions about engagement, but then also questions about political preferences. And uh, this is interesting. So half of evangelicals by belief identify with the Republican Party. That's surprisingly and, low to me. Yes. So for, uh, 48% identify as a Republican, 31% as a Democrat and 21% as an independent or something else beyond the two major political parties, which that doesn't completely surprise me. I think you have a lot of people who I, who would identify as independent, but they might vote, you know, Republican okay, more, or, you know, in, in most of their elections, but they're not registered you know, in a particular party. So, but 48% identify as a Republican, 31 as Democrat, and 21% as an independent or something else. This is interesting. So in 2016, 78% of evangelicals by belief say they voted in the general election. And among those who cast a ballot, 62% cast it for Donald Trump, 31% for Hillary Clinton, and 7% for another candidate. I'm actually fascinated that maybe I'm just old school on this. I'm fascinated by the that there's not a percentage of, I mean, maybe this fit in another candidate, but there's not a percentage of people saying, my vote is private, I don't have to tell you. Because that's what it, I used to be told when I was a child, that you don't have to tell anyone who you voted for. Yeah. I mean, I know lots of people put signs in their yard and things like that, but I, I found it interesting that that doesn't seem to be an answer that anyone gave. Maybe that's well, anonymous surveys. Nowadays. You know, it's a little different, I guess. It's a little easier. Yeah, that's fair. It's a good. It's a good point. Um, what What were some other things? What were things that jumped out at you in this? Uh, the racial breakdown. Yes. So yeah, the, demographics. The even you know, demographical breakdown. White evangelicals, by belief, said they voted overwhelmingly for Trump, 80%. That that mirrors that 81% that we've heard so much about yes. in the mainstream press. Yes. 
Uh, black evangelicals, by belief, were solidly behind Clinton, 82%. But Hispanic evangelical voters said they were more split, 47% Clinton, 48% Trump. So Hispanics was basically a, a toss-up, but the other, you know, uh, African Americans and uh, Caucasians, you know, heavily favored one side or the other. Right. And then the men versus women. Yeah. So men more heavily favored Trump, evangelical men over Clinton. That's 69% to 24%. And women still preferred Trump, but by a smaller majority, 57 to 37%. That that doesn't completely surprise me. What I think, honestly, is interesting. So we'll put this link in the show notes because there's just really there's so much data, even in the release itself. Um, and, and then you can dig in to the project even more. But what is interesting to me is how much this shows that good statistical research you you can you can kind of see it confirmed because as you said it sort of matches up with the 81% that we knew and just shows you really can trust a lot of the data that uh, gets developed out there if it's done well yeah yeah and and like you said this backs up a lot of the other secular data so life research i mean it it's it's just kind of confirming the things that we've heard for the last three plus years. So yeah. Fascinating. So one, one last thing that jumps out at me is that most evangelicals by belief say they have friendships beyond their demographic circle. But when it comes to the source of their news, they would prefer it to be someone with whom they agree. So nearly three in five, 58% say they have someone they consider a close friend who has very different political views. But around half, uh, 53%, say they trust news more if it is delivered by people who have similar thoughts on social and uh, political issues. So that's very interesting. So they'll have close friendships with someone who's very different, but it's a little lower, you know, that they want news delivered by people who think like them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so it, it, also the news section down there where it talks about where they get their news uh, for evangelicals local news 59% Fox News 47% uh, 40% from NBC 38% CBS the the major networks there and then 27% to CNN and only 13% to MSNBC I, I don't think there's much shocker there yeah probably not what's interesting is that it's still 59% is local news so yeah, I, I think that's I think that's interesting, and and I, I like to I like to hear that. You know, yeah. when's the last it, time it you watched that, the local news, though, Amy? Um, I think it was probably during a weather event. All right, when's the last time you watched the local news for the news, Amy? For the news, I don't know. It's probably been well, maybe when when Billy Graham died. It was a very big okay. local story here. I guess I guess that would be a local story. Yeah. I mean, it was a uh, national story, but it was a big local story. I, I think so, the last time I remember watching the news was probably the 2012 Olympics because it was on the same channel, and I would like watch the news and then watch the Olympics. See, now when I lived in Nashville, I watched local news a lot because I know I, know I like the last. I, I just don't. I'm just not home. I'm usually cooking dinner or whatever. Yeah, so whatever. Yeah. All anyway, right. let's keep enough going. of that. Enough of that. All right. Uh, speaking of politics, this week yes. SBC President JD Greer was on Capitol Hill and delivered the prayer before the U.S. House of Representatives on a Wednesday. Yes, uh, so he opened the afternoon legislative session. Uh, he was invited 
to open the session in prayer at the request of Representative Mark Walker, who is a Republican congressman from here in North Carolina. He's a member of Mercy Hill Church in Greensboro, uh, which is a church we've talked about. I shared a video, a documentary. They're one of the fastest growing churches uh, in Outreach Magazine. And uh, so that pastored by a Southeastern grad, great church. So Mark Walker is a member of their church and a former Southern Baptist pastor. And so he invited J.D. Greer to come and pray. And I saw a lot of stuff on this this week, including just some really uh, great pictures of the day from Pastor J.D., who uh, was meeting with lots of congressmen all day long. Yeah, signed with uh, Tim Scott and others. Uh, a couple of the the folks from North Carolina there as well. So uh, it was nice to have that representation on Capitol Hill for Southern Baptist. Also this week, we had a IMB commissioning service and preaching the kind of the, the commissioning message, if you will, was Dr. Ronnie Floyd. I had a chance to, to watch this uh, online. They streamed it online. You can still watch it on Facebook on the IMB page. And uh, they introduced all the missionaries. And those uh, that are going out, uh, 24 newly appointed international missionaries. Dr. (laughs) Floyd gave a great message on stepping into your missionary calling and uh, even had a chance at the end of it to to really call those who may be watching online or in the crowd to, hey, maybe the Lord is leading you to a life of missions. And if, if that's the case, you know, they had set up opportunities for you to respond to the IMB and to, to get that process yeah, started. So the, that's awesome. Know, so the, I thought that was really neat, kind of calling out the call there at the end of of his message. So it's really well done. Again, that's always a highlight of the annual meeting, but we do right. that four, five, six times a year. So it's not just once a year. So if you have right. a chance, uh, if one of those are in your local area, and I know you, I think you guys have hosted either at Southeastern or in the, the Raleigh area. I think I've hosted yeah, some of these. Yeah, they've had some nearby in time, but it, they are doing more live streaming it than yes. they used mm-hmm. to. And so anyone can take advantage of that. Yeah. So those are usually done in conjunction with their trustee meetings. We'll have a trustee report probably on next week's episode that hasn't been released from Baptist Press just yet. Uh, just came in late on Thursday, so not in time for deadlines. But uh, we'll have that next week and tell you about everything that went on at the trustee meeting. But uh, another meeting happened in North Carolina this week, and that was the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina's Board of Directors meeting, where they elected Melanie Wallace as the president of the board. Yeah, so this was kind of exciting. Melanie Wallace was uh, the first woman elected as board president for North Carolina Baptist since 1993. She had been the vice president of the board of directors for the last year or so, but then when Clay Smith had to resign because he accepted the call to serve as senior pastor of Johnson Ferry Baptist Church, she actually moved into the role as board president. So uh, obviously serving as a great leader and in that in that time and uh, was nominated by Steve Scoggins, who is the current president of Baptist State Convention of North Carolina. And uh, he said she is the embodiment of the best of Baptist life in North Carolina. I thought that was a great quote. Uh, Very involved in missions at all levels. Uh, And she and her friend even started a business, baking and catering 
so they could raise money for missions. Uh, there's a great quote in there as well uh, from Milton Hollyfield that uh, says, Melanie has demonstrated great ability as a leader. I value her heart for missions and her heart for reaching lost people. She is a delightful, knowledgeable, and capable individual, and I'm delighted to have her serve as president of the board of directors. Uh, so congratulations to Melanie Wallace. Absolutely. Congratulations to her. And also, uh, we have a story here on a recap of the For the Church Conference. I gave a little bit about that earlier, talked to some on it, but uh, the keynote speakers, Crawford Loritz, J.D. Greer, Tony Morita, Jason Allen, Owen Strayan, and Jared Wilson, uh, they preached on the theme of Our Only Hope, and each had a different piece that they talked on on there. And then Shane and Shane led the praise and worship time, uh, which was fantastic, by the way. I'm a big fan, Shane and Shane. They actually oh, sing yeah. in an octave that I sing in, so... I like that. It's uh, right in my wheelhouse there. Uh, but but one thing about the music there, I will say this. I don't know what it is about their chapel, design, architecture, whatever it is. But more than any other seminary chapel that I've been to, I think, I hear the congregational singing at Midwestern. Oh, so it's got good acoustics. Well, I don't know if it's just the acoustics or if it's just how the sound is or just how many people are in there or how tight it is or how low the ceiling is. But you hear the congregational singing more in that chapel than any chapel that I've been to, I Right. Think. You know that what you just described, that's acoustics, right? Like when you said like what size it is or how low the ceiling is or how many people. Like, Thank you. Yeah. I just, just thought yes, I would. Yes, I understand that. Yes. Just thought I would throw yes. that in. All right, keep going. Yeah. You're good. Appreciate You're good. that. Great. But Sound, anyway, I, I it was really neat. There. I need to get up there in here. Yes. You've never been to Midwestern? No, I haven't. Oh, I haven't been that. to Kansas City since I was like 12 years old. Oh, well, you got to get up there just for yeah. the burn-ins and Midwestern. And too. Midwestern. But, so I'll get Midwestern, there one of these days. So. All right. So yeah, full recap there. Check it out. And I think you can even watch the uh, videos on their Facebook page. They're archived over there. So you can go over to the Midwestern Facebook page or the ftc.co site there for the church site. Uh, I think they're going to post them over there as well. So I uh, highly recommend those really enjoyed the time again and uh, just a, a great event had by all, I think. And then uh, also Amy, we have a partnership from Montana Southern Baptist and Alberta. The Canadian Baptist convention shows up at SBC this week. Surprise, surprise. Amy's involved. Yes. So uh, this is a seven-year partnership between Southern Baptist Churches in Montana and Canadian Baptist Churches in Alberta. It's a partnership to sort of work together so that they can uh, strengthen churches and they can really help one another outside of some of these uh, sin cities that are part of North American Mission Board in some of the major metropolitan areas like Calgary, Edmonton, things like that. And uh, so because there are so many communities that are between 500 and 2,500 residents, and they're really small, but this is a partnership that lets them give attention to the other towns. So where the Sin City partnership is kind of focusing in one area, then Montana and Alberta are going to come together and really focus on some other areas. So I'm a big uh, fan of the work that is being done in Canada, and I love Alberta. Got to go there a couple of years ago, where the Canadian National Baptist Convention is located right there are uh, same uh, on same location as the seminary and so they have a lot of tough 
work out where they are. And so a partnership like this, uh, where they can really help each other, that's great news. Absolutely. So uh, speaking of NAM, and, and you know, we just mentioned kind of the Sin Cities thing, they hosted a recent meeting of the Southern Baptist Conference of Associational Leaders, nearly 200 associational mission strategists, the, the new term AMS, met at the campus of North American Mission Board for a lab centered on principles that they have focused on uh, to heighten the effectiveness of associations across the Southern Baptist Convention. Yes, so they had keynote speakers, Jeff Orge from Gateway, Kevin Ezell, as well as Johnny Hunt, and a lot of other associational leaders who are, are experienced have been in it for a long time doing breakout sessions. And so it's just a great opportunity to sort of equip and train them. Uh, we had a smaller meeting of some associational mission mission strategists here at Southeastern. And you just learn as they come together how important it is for them to have that networking and fellowship and training and equipping time. So it seems like a great thing that NAM did uh, with this. Yeah, we, we appreciate the work that the SBCAL does under the leadership of good friend of the pod, Ray Gentry, and uh, all the work that they do and just to help strengthen those local associations. So uh, good to see this event. And then finally, Amy, uh, a new program over at Williams Baptist University in Arkansas that's providing students with an affordable path to earning a degree while building character along the way. Yeah, this is called Williams Works. So it's uh, has the goal of making, and so I'm going to quote, an academically excellent Christ-centered university education affordable for all families with a real possibility of students graduating debt-free. And so uh, what they will do is that as the, the incoming freshmen, there are 40 that are going to be part of this first phase. They will work for 16 hours a week during fall and spring semesters at a job assigned by Williams Baptist. And they will be compensated in the form of the cost of their education. So they'll be compensated by paying for their tuition and fees. And then if they work over the summer, they can cover their room and board expenses. Uh, so the the president, Stan Norman, who I am a big fan of uh, Dr. Norman. We have gotten to know him over the Hashtag past few fan years. fan of Stan. Yeah, Storman Stan Norman. Um, and uh, they, he said these are real jobs with real responsibilities that they need to be willing to work, to develop a serious work ethic, be able to manage their time well. But it's an opportunity for an affordable, debt-free education at Williams Baptist, an outstanding Christian university. So uh, that's that's really cool. Yeah, and I had something similar to this when I was in college. I worked in the athletic department at Southern right. Miss, and basically they did this. They they covered my room and board. They covered my tuition, my fees. Everything was paid for in exchange for me working, you know, 20 to 40 hours a week in the office and events. So uh, yeah. I'm very familiar with this, and I was able to graduate debt-free because of this. So uh, very I, cool. I am all about this kind of job arrangement there because basically what they're describing is what I did when I went yeah. to college. This is a great thing. It's a, it really is taking their model and, and bringing in something new. So yeah. very exciting. Well done, Dr. Norman. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the news this week. Amy brings us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. So we're going to go to 1959. And actually, when I found this story, I thought we had talked about this before, but I've gone back to old shows and cannot find it. So I'm 
putting it out there. It is something to do with Baptist communicators. Okay. So it was announcing a new service of Baptist Press, a teletypewriter network linking Baptist agencies, newspapers, and state offices in the Southern Baptist Convention. So they had this, they were, do you, do you, you know what this is? Like where they would type something and then it would go. Is this up. like the stuff you see on the movies? Yes. Or like in like the World War II movies where they're typing something and it's coming across on the other yeah, end. Like and it goes across on the other end. Banging it out. Yeah. So the executive committee was recommending that they would start it and they were planning to establish it in early 1960. And they said it would include immediate transmission of news and promotional information on a convention-wide level, expedited communications between individuals and organizations contributing to unified plans and objectives, rapid dissemination of requested and generally reported statistics, a renewed and accelerated interest in sharing information and program development, and potential savings in types of high-cost communications and coordinated coordination of information services and so they strongly encouraged all southern baptist convention agencies to use the baptist press news service to the fullest extent so they were launching uh, they had set a target date for early 1960 this teletypewriter network to connect all of the agencies together and uh so i as soon as i saw it i was like oh we've got to we've got to talk about that because it just shows they were very excited about this new technology that was coming and uh that way they could get their news out faster now you just put it on twitter yeah i can send it's, a text right you can send a text you can put a tweet out and everybody sees it if it gets retweeted it's out there well it hasn't always been that way. And so in 1959, they were starting a new way to get information out really, really fast. And they were talking about it and launching it this week in SBC history. All right. That's really cool. So here's, here's what I want to know. And you need, you need to ask about this where okay. you're at work now. Um, wonder if there are any machines around. You should go ask Taffy. I should ask Taffy and Art. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I should do that. I should see if there's still a teletypewriter around. Yes. Um, I don't really have any need for that these days, though, Amy. Got to admit. Right. So, Baptist yes, Press has moved on from the teletypewriters. Yes, they have. But there is another story in there. Yes. So, our friend Allison Young, who does the book yes. of reports and the annual, uh, she will like the story on page two because they're talking about trimming pages from the book of reports right. and giving assigned number of pages to SBC agencies which to present their reports and they must conform to that space limitation. So right. They're basically saying, hey, stop being so wordy, people. You got to be shorter. They wanted to reduce it by one-fifth the number of pages um, and said that it would be minimum of 286, maximum of 304. So they were going to put limitations. Also below that, this was a good issue. Oh, wow. We're inviting yeah. Khrushchev to church. They, yes. The Southern Baptist leaders that were coming together in Nashville sent a telegram to President Eisenhower asking him to invite Mr. and Mrs. Khrushchev, Nikita Khrushchev, uh, to worship, to go to a worship service. Said that said they might better understand the inner strength of America that they unanimously expressed inviting the Russian premier and his wife 
to accompany to a divine worship service on Sunday. Um, so yeah, that was actually a really interesting, there's also some other stuff about Midwestern in there about the plan. Yeah. Uh, being I think approved. I parked on that yeah. that thirty acres that they bought yeah. next to yes. the ninety nine <laughs> the acres. They bought because yes. I was I parked one day. I, I had about a thirty five minute walk. I think it wasn't that long, but I was I was parked out in I think Springfield, uh, Missouri, uh, yeah. instead of Kansas City. Yes, or I guess it would have been St. Joe on the north side. Yeah, get right, my Missouri right. geography down, Amy. I can't. Yes, can't mess that up. So anyway, check that out. We'll put the link in the show notes, and then that way you can see this whole issue, which is really fascinating. Oh, Amy, there's a story at the bottom. Last week, you missed this one. The United Nations Observer from Southern Baptists. Uh, yes, Brooks, Brooks Hayes, the former president of the SBC, had gone uh, to spend his two days at the UN as the convention observer. And uh, this was the first visit of... Uh, to the UN. And as I continue to say, I don't know when this stopped, but if anybody ever to wants it back, to start right? it up again, I would, I would volunteer as tribute to be yeah, the well observer done. at the UN. All right. Okay. Well, until that day, Amy, we're going to have to just keep doing with the podcast. So yes. uh, your resource of the week is? If God is for us, it is a Bible study on Romans 8 by Trillian Newbell. I am really excited about this. I actually uh, today learned I have a copy that is headed this way for uh, some books I'm I'm reading for a project. And uh, I cannot wait because I've heard a lot of great, great stuff about this. Romans 8 was a chapter that when we were in Waverly, Virginia, Keith did a, a long Sunday night series on Romans 8. And I absolutely fell in love with that chapter when we did that. And so I'm very excited to see uh, what Trillia has done with this. So I will have to tell you about it once it arrives here, but I wanted to go ahead and throw it out there as my resource of the week. All right. Very cool. Tony Marita had a great uh, sermon on that the other day at for the church at the conference. So he had a, awesome. a fantastic sermon on, on that verse. But if God be for us, yeah. So uh, it, it was it was really good. So, all right, my resource of the week is the upcoming Caring Well Conference live stream. So yeah. it starts on Thursday, live stream Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You can live stream it at I think it's just live.erlc.com. Try that. If not, you'll use the Google, um, and you'll be able to find you it. Can but find and it. we'll Look be tweeting on it out social as well. media. Yeah, and you'll find it'll it. be all over the place. So, but I think yes. it's live.erlc.com. So. Uh, the Caring Well Conference live stream. It'll be streamed for free. You can watch it. I highly encourage you to check out the sessions as you can. Uh, it should be an incredible time of just learning and reflection uh, and you know, just becoming a church that cares well. That, that's what we're, we're trying to just improve, how we care for and prevent abuse in the churches uh, of the Southern Baptist Convention and beyond. So uh, I, I highly recommend the live stream. going to be a great lineup, and you'll get to see Amy on stage. Well... That's the the real, uh, I don't know that I would even say anything as a highlight next week because it's just not that kind of conference. It's a it's a conference that's, that's going true. to be that is true. very heavy and it's going to be a lot for all of us to consider and reflect on. Um, but I think we need to. This is that this this is that topic that no matter how hard it is to talk about, we cannot turn away. And so. I, uh, I I think if you can't be there, then uh, certainly tune in for the discussion. 
Absolutely. So I am highly looking forward to this. Uh, yeah. Been glad that I'll be able to be there and be in the room uh, just to, to learn, to take it in. Uh, and to be able to take that back to my local church and, and to my job, you know, being at the executive committee, be able to, to learn, be right. able to put that into practice uh, as we serve Southern Baptists. So highly recommend that. Check that out, live.erlc.com next week. That's going to do it for our show this week. Amy, it's going to be good to be in the same place next week. We're going to have to figure out how to record next week. It's We'll be at we'll the be Gaylord, and there yeah. are places all over that conservatory or sitting areas everywhere so we will just have to find a spot and maybe somebody will walk by and we'll end up doing a live recording so hey who knows yeah we might be able to get some interviews next week too yep hadn't thought about that so might look into that all right well that's our show for this week folks thanks for joining us we'll see you next week see you next week